on February 27, 2006, national polygamy advocate Mark Hankel was interviewed for Weekend America by Alex Cohen for NPR. Hi, you've reached Alex Cohen. I'm so sorry I missed your call. Please leave me a message and I'll get back in touch just as soon as I can. Thanks so much. Good afternoon, Alex. This is Mark Hankel calling from truthbearer.org uh, for our uh, 1.30 East Coast, 12.30 Your Time uh, telephone interview. And I guess I have missed you, so I will uh, try back at a, uh, a later time or feel free to drop another email. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, you've reached Alex. Sorry I wasn't able to get your call. Please leave me a message and I'll call you back. Thanks. Record your message after the tone. To send a numeric page, press 5. When you are finished recording, hang up, or for delivery options, press 9. Hello, Alex. This is Mark Hankel with truthbearer.org. I have uh, tried to reach you at both of your numbers now, uh, at 1.30 uh, East Coast time, 12.30 your time, and apparently have uh, not successfully reached you yet. <laughs> uh, feel free to uh, drop me an email when a uh, more convenient time would be, uh, would be good for you. Uh, I know tomorrow will be difficult uh, for me, so maybe we have to do something Wednesday or whatever. Uh, or if I hear back from you soon enough this afternoon, maybe uh, we can still do something today. Uh, look forward to speaking with you. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, you've reached Alex Cohen. I'm so sorry I missed your call. Please leave me a message, and I'll get back in touch just as soon as I can. Thanks so much. Good afternoon, Alex. This is Mark Henkel with TruthBearer.org calling at 3.30 East Coast time, 2.30 your time. I have received your uh, email, and I'm attempting to reach you again. <laughs> We're playing tag, apparently. Uh, I'm sure we'll get in touch eventually. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Alex. Hello, Alex. This is Mark Henkel with TruthBearer.org. Hi there. I'm so glad you called <laughs> Just in the restroom, and the second I heard the phone ring, I thought, oh, this is, this is it. I'm going to miss the call. <laughs> Thank you for being persistent. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Uh, before we begin, I did want to let you know, uh, this is being uh, tape recorded, and want to make sure you knew that and approved of it. Sure, sure, that's fine. Not a problem at all. I'm usually the one who's asking that question. <laughs> I understand. It's not, but I'm not taping on my end, and it's not a problem at all. All right. Well, if you could uh, identify yourself and who you're with and what you're doing. My name is Alex Cohen. I'm a reporter with the public radio program Weekend America. And I'm talking to you from Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, and I was figuring probably the easiest thing to do is I know I'd kind of written a bit of a description, but I thought it'd be easier just to kind of talk you through what we're hoping to do, and then you can let me know whether or not it would be something that you'd um, be willing to help out with. Certainly. Uh, Weekend America, is that all right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, actually, that would be, uh, that is the way we would function, because uh, many people are actually quite uninformed about what our topic is and uh, have uh, various ideas of how to uh, go about it, and we provide correction and to, to allow the, uh, the way to, we know how the story needs to be told. Excellent. Uh, so, and I'll probably be that. I'll start off by saying I'm probably, um, I know I am ignorant about much of this topic, okay. but basically uh, what Weekend America does, we're a public radio program. I don't know if you're familiar at all with the uh, public radio program Marketplace, but we're produced by the same uh, company that does Marketplace. We're heard on NPR member stations throughout the country uh, on Saturdays. It's a weekend program. And basically what the show does, it covers all sorts of ground. It's a two-hour program. Um, but usually, and it consists of interviews and commentaries and produced pieces, kind of a, a mixture of things. And there's never any 
one theme necessarily for the entire show. So it might move from the Olympics one second to uh, Hurricane Katrina. Then, you know, the next minute it covers a lot of ground. And what we like to do since we're a weekend show is kind of talk about things that are going on in the news, but in not a necessarily straightforward news sense of it, keeping in mind to the fact that people might be gardening or taking their kids to a birthday party or it's the weekend and they might not want to listen to things in quite the same way. Um, what we like to do is kind of put a human face on some of the things that are going on in the news. And recently I've kind of been hearing in all sorts of different directions various things about polygamy, be it the new HBO show that's coming out in a couple of weeks to some of the things that have been going on here in Texas and a judge who recently was forced to retire in Utah and just little bits and pieces here and there. And as I thought about it, I realized how uninformed I was. You know, I mean, if we have a discussion about gay marriage, I actually know people who are gay and therefore feel as if I've got some kind of personal connection to this story, but I don't know anyone who was in a polygamous family. So whatever kind of understanding I had of what that meant or what it involved or what a polygamous family might be like was based solely on fiction, you know, or reports in the media that may or may not be accurate. So what our thought was, was to actually profile a family uh, and it would not at all be a story that would question whether or not it's right. It's not a moral uh, story in that sense of it, but mostly to try to actually get to know a family and see them and hear them as human beings who are very similar in many ways to many other families that are in, you know, what most people think of when they tend to think of, a, you know, a marriage. So with that in mind, I've been getting in touch with, with various people who I've found through various websites and organizations and trying to find a family that would be willing to spend some time with us for this project. So here's kind of how it would work. Um, I'm based in Austin, Texas. I'd be happy to come out and, and visit with the family no matter where they are. That's not an obstacle at all. I'm happy to come travel to them. Um, we understand that there may well be some sensitivity around privacy issues, and that's where being radio is a wonderful thing because we don't need to show anybody's pictures or faces, and we don't need to use anybody's last names or even first names if they're not comfortable with that. Um, and then basically what I would do is I'm a, kind of a one-person team, so it's pretty low-key. It's me and a digital tape recorder, and what I would probably do is spend some time at first talking over the phone with the family and uh, finding out a little bit more about them and kind of what their daily routine is like and where they live and what they do for a living and all of that, and then find a time where I could actually visit the family and spend some time with them, and with hopes that in the end what we'd have is maybe somewhere between an eight and a ten minute feature where you would just hear what a day in the life of this family is like and it could be everything from you know taking the kids to school to going grocery shopping to running errands to having dinner with the thought of it being that of course obviously not all of our listeners are going to personally know this family but to at least have a feeling like you know someone who is in this situation who isn't necessarily you know Kind of, and I, I don't know how else to put it, but I feel like a lot of the stories that we hear in the news are, are the bad end of polygamy, and I would like to be able to show someone that isn't in trouble with the law or on the run or anything like that to show a, a normal, natural, happy family who happens to have one, more than one wife in that family. Does that make sense? Sure. Excellent. It does. I mean, I think that you start with a good Honesty about your own knowledge. 
mm-hmm. which I think is uh, a, a, the the good foundation. Uh, as opposed to uh, very often we get uh, requests from people that want to tell us what uh, what we're all about, right? <laughs> and really have uh, have no clue about it. Um, we have to balance what you what you're looking for with a, a way to uh, pr- best present it for us. Let me let me back up and explain. Sure. We are routinely. Your originally your request is borderline, but because of your honesty and there's room for overcoming it, your request is on borderline of what we call a circus act request. Mm. Uh, is that by saying that? Do you understand what I mean by that term? Uh, I would I would assume that you would mean showing someone off to the public. It's kind of the first thing that makes in my head. Right, because most people are not polygamous. The display of a family is like a circus act. Well, ooh, ah, ooh, and ah. It's all a big ooh and ah sensationalism, like a big hyped-up circus act. And the circus act never successfully helps people understand about us, no matter how good we are. It never does, simply because it's too much ooing and ahing. The, the problem is, is that because most people aren't polygamous, they will see it as a freak show. And... It also ends up feeling, well, that's just one family, and because it's just one family, and I'm not like that, uh, they, mu- they just must be freaks. One of the things that we have done and overcome that is that we make it clear that uh, this is not a situation of one single family uh, or, or one little freak show, and it, actually we are organizing, and that's the whole point of our organization. And so when a uh, a family is presented, they are not presented solely as a freak show, as a circus act, but rather as a supportive example of the larger issue of multiple families being like this, so that they're merely as an example of it rather than being the lone freak show without support of a, a national organization that uh, provides support. Do you understand what I mean by that? Sure. If, if, might I be able to just interject one thing sure. there? Because I want to make sure that I didn't um, present myself in any uh, inappropriate way. Sure. Um, on the one hand, although what we were hoping to do would be to spend time with one family, mm-hmm. it would certainly be with the clear understanding, which would be you know discussed in the piece of the story, that this isn't just one family in the same way, but as opposed to saying, you know, if you just say, okay, there are 400 families in this community who have more than one wife, and that's why you say, then listeners don't get an actual sense to, to relate with them in any human way. So I just wanted to make it mm-hmm. sure it was very clear that it wouldn't be presented as if this is this one lone family and they're completely different than everybody else. We would give as much as, and I know it's hard to come up with any kind of exact numbers, but based on the best information we could get from your you know, organization and mm-hmm. others, get a clear sense of a you know, rough estimate of how many families in America are living like this today to make it very clear that we're not presenting it in any way, shape, or form as a, um, you know, one man out or, or one family out situation. Right. Likewise, although I always preface, you know, I, as I discuss with everybody who I ever talk to, I have no responsibility over how people listen to things. You know what I mean? If people listen to a story, you know, I've done stories about, uh, uh, you know, environmental issues and the dangers of maybe 
a certain contaminant in the waters. I, you know, there may be times where I'd like very much for somebody to believe that this is harmful, but obviously I can't control how people listen and uh, construe the information. I would sincerely hope that my purpose of the story is to have someone listen to it, and let's say they missed the introduction because they were at the dry cleaners picking something up when they got into their car. I would love it if someone heard the story and had no idea that the family was polygamous or different in any way, shape, or form from any other family until the very end of the piece. You're not even ever know that at all and just think here's a piece about a really lovely family and how they spend time with each other. So that the nature of, does that make sense? So that the nature of them, I just wanted to make it very clear that it's not in any way, shape, or form to be presented as here's how they're different. It's more than anything to be presented as here's how much they're very much, like here are all the ways in which they're a perfectly normal family. Does that make sense? Sure. Great. Um, the, and, and I'm not suggesting that you have, uh, nor am I trying to imply that you have tried to uh, say anything in a negative way. Uh, I, I appreciate the honesty uh, of the way you've spoken with me here, and I'm, I'm not trying to imply that you said or, or misrepresented anything negatively. I would like to add that copy for you so you understand. Sure. Oh, uh, sure. And that's why I said that I can assist you in helping to make sure that we're not doing a, uh, a circus act presentation. Right. The... Um, It is, I think here, our story is that, that polygamy is a normal, normal people are involved, More, normal people also support uh, the freedom of this, mm-hmm. and that uh, it is not a series of, of, uh, of freak shows, and it's not a, it's not like that at all. That is why... You know, one of the big misrepresentations, for example, that polygamy is always Mormon, uh, such as this is the big uh, ridiculous uh, catch-22 going on right now with the uh, the coming big love of March two, uh, March 12th on HBO, is that uh, it uses a Mormon polygamous group uh, of a specific family in that group to tell its story, and yet... Uh, the mainstream Mormon institution has used all its muscle power to force the uh, producers of the show to add a caveat to say that, uh, that anybody, nobody is Mormon if they uh, are using polygamy because, the, because of the 1890 and what the Mormon, mainstream Mormon church did. But the reality is there is Mormon polygamy, Muslim polygamy, Christian polygamy, and other various forms. And any for any polygamy that uses the Book of Mormon as its presuppositional reason for doing and participating in polygamy is Mormon polygamy. So here you've got a story that's based around Mormon polygamy, and there's that whole question that some people try to say that Mormonism is Christian, is Christian and all that, and that's, that's a whole separate debate. But Mormon polygamy is absolutely not Christian polygamy. When you put the word Christian before polygamy, it means the paradigm of polygamy without any Mormonism whatsoever. Right. You understand my, my difference? Yes, so, definitely. Right, so now you've got a Mormon polygamy story on HBO with the, the Mormon church using its muscle to make the, uh, the producers say that it's not Mormon, when the fact is it is Mormon. Right. And, and so it gives the implication as if it's Christian, and it's not. So the point I'm getting at is that Normal families and families that are not involved in the Mormon polygamy presupposition, which itself, that's the reason why uh, polygamy got banned in the first place. If you go to the doctrinal reasons for polygamy in the Mormon polygamy paradigm, 
it's an obligation to women to be polygamous. There's no choice, and because there's no choice, it's an infringement of rights. Whereas Christian polygamy with love not force in the standard, uh, as is established at lovenotforce.com, is clearly uh, a beneficent and uh, you know caring uh, totally about choice and helping women and, and especially abandoned single moms and all that. So right. it's a whole different paradigm, but it's not, it's not coming from the obligatory uh, no choice position. So my point is this: the presentation of a family all by itself never works. Now, within the construct of a, a support, a, a exemplifying uh, supportive position of a family, supporting the fact that there is a, uh, I guess basically the way to put it would be, recently the Washington Times did an article on us, on the polygamy rights movement, mm -hmm. and used a couple of our families for quotes. But that was great. It was a, it been some wonderful, great quotes. You, you, I don't know if you've seen it or not. It was in December 11th issue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it appropriately wrapped the report with, it started with uh, quotes from me, for example, as the, you know, as, as the founder of the organization and, and the overall movement, then used quotes, uh, uses quotes from me from the beginning, the middle, and the end, but totally using multiple, multiple quotes from the family within the base of the article. You follow what I'm saying? So it was a, it was a, it was a report of the larger issue while using a family to support it. Do mm -hmm. you follow me? That's that's how we can present the story to you and, and your vision of, uh, you know, the life in the family as supportive of the story is 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 wonderful. Something that certainly could be uh, could be utilized. But to that would be great. But to simply, for example, to just simply only tell their story. And bypass the organization and bypass the movement and all that. No, okay. that's not. You see what I'm saying? They, they just the families aren't going to participate in that. I, I know I wouldn't. The reason, and then the reason why I was kind of explaining the way in which we're envisioning this, and of course, I'm, I mean, to be completely honest as well, I have a certain idea of the kind of stories that I'd like to produce in here. Of course. However, I haven't met the family yet. I haven't, you know, spent any time talking to you yet on right. without some idea. It's like trying to figure out what the soup's going to taste like without having. To <laughs> exactly. That's why this conversation. Totally. I agree. I agree. But I think it is important to know because I'm not sure because you know radio, of course, is such a different medium, mm -hmm. different in a lot of ways that I think are a lot better, and because the show that I work with is so different from kind of your normal straightforward news program, I felt it was important. I don't want to misrepresent myself or be dishonest in any way. And probably the best thing to do is, you know, on our website, weekendamerica.org, uh, we've archived all of our past stories, and it can give you kind of a better sense of our approach to storytelling sure. in the news. We're not, you know, whereas a print story will have, you know, a quote from a person, and then it'll have some, you know, information, and then there'll be another quote, and then, you know, it's presented in a certain and newspaper articles all tend to follow a somewhat similar format. And even within public radio, for the most part, if you listen to All Things Considered or Morning Edition, if they were to do a story on polygamy, chances are there would be, I would speak to you, and I'd get a little soundbite from you, and then I'd get a little piece of tape from the family, and then I'd get a little piece of tape from someone who was vehemently against polygamy, and that's the way that they would do it, because mm -hmm. they would need to make sure everything was balanced and that it fit a certain format, and I just want you to know that's not 
how we approach things per se, which I okay. actually think could really behoove you in this situation. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't, you know what I mean? Which is why, and I think, which is why we we'll want to spend. And it could be wrong. It may well happen that if I came out and visited with you and a family, things turn out very different. But I think it's a really important part to spend a substantial amount of time with this family because we're more than just about um, arguments and talking heads, for lack of a better word. And we do not necessarily feel like it's important in here. We're not necessarily going to be, and I know for certain we won't be having the argument over whether or not polygamy is right. That's not the purpose of the story. You know, listeners will probably have their own opinion. My hope is that if their opinion is that polygamy is wrong, that by the end of this story, they will question that to mm -hmm. a certain degree, having heard real people with whom they have empathy and compassion. Right. And whom obviously, I mean, part of my wanting to spend time with the family is to be able to see, I think plenty of people have heard the bad stories or the bad mm -hmm. side of what may be presented as polygamy, but I think very few have heard things. I was speaking with one woman the other day who said, you know, she considers polygamy to be an incredibly feminist thing and mm -hmm. to be able to present it in that sort of light, sure. to be able to maybe hear... The, the child who benefits from having multiple parents in a household mm -hmm. to present that. So I don't think you'll find uh, parents willing to have children's voices on tape. Pardon? I don't think you'll find uh, uh, any of us parents uh, having uh, children on tape. That's fine. Yeah. I think that's totally... I mean, I wouldn't I'd mm -hmm. be necessarily hoping to interview the children. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I mean, one of the things since we're audio that mm -hmm. we'd really like to have is, for example, you know, if it's family time and the mother of the family, you know, or one of the mothers of the family is, is serving up potatoes or something. Maybe mm -hmm. just even get the sound of, would you like another serving of potatoes? That's the kind of thing that, believe it or not, actually really helps people feel like they're in a place and they're spending mm -hmm. time with people, which okay. is important to us. But it's certainly, like I said... We do not need to use people's last names. We don't even necessarily need to use people's real first names if they would feel more comfortable. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. thing about radio is yes. that it's incredibly anonymous. You mm -hmm. have no idea what I look like right now, and I have no idea what you look like right now. You know what I mean? And yes. that's, that's the great part about dealing just with voices. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's that's kind of basic. I mean, I think you get the sense of it. And the mm -hmm. other thing that's important to note, too, is that um, unlike other types of radio is that we're not at least this portion of the program, wouldn't be live. So let's say, for example, I came out to visit someone in your community and I sat down uh, with the husband and the family and I asked him a question that he didn't want to answer. Real simple. He just says, I don't want to answer that and that's fine. Or let's say someone was in the middle of saying something to me and then they say, you know what, I really would prefer that that doesn't get used. That's not a problem at all. I mean, that's the best part about it not being live is that you very much have control over mm -hmm. well, see, that, that's our, what doesn't get said. And that's really the, the second part of our issue is that um, the media wants to bypass the professional to be able to have the amateur, uh, meaning that polygamous families are just regular everyday people. Right. Um, they're not media-savvy experts. Right. Um, and... Very often, questions are, uh, are asked that what one family might say, another family wouldn't say. Right. And, or it gets misinterpreted. Here's an example. Uh, recently, we had uh, an interview that uh, was conducted with one of our families, and they made the comment that what they would like would be able to have the freedom of, you know, people not you know, using the law or other things to look down on them. 
to, you know, to, on the family itself. You know, uh, by being you know the whole legal aspect of that, it treats good people as if they're criminals, which is of course ridiculous. But nevertheless, that's the case. Well, the using of that natural statement. I mean, what person wants to be uh, you know looked down upon and 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 treated with abuse because of the law? Uh, and yet the the expression of that statement as a non as as an amateur as a non-professional was then used in a report to then say that polygamists want legalization because they want to be able to force other people to accept them well that that was not what the context of the statement was right okay but now suddenly it's used as a statement to suggest that well first of all polygamists are after decriminalization, not legalization. And there is a very important semantical understanding of what that means. Sure. Legalization requires definitions. Decriminalization gets government out of it altogether. There is no, no name defying. And, but by taking that statement out of context, it indicates as if uh, the polygamy rights movement is somehow all about polygamists trying to force everybody to accept them. And that's not the case either. Right. And try to use the law to make people accept uh, polygamy. That's not the case. Just simply saying that you shouldn't be able to use the law to abuse people and to, to abuse polygamists. And that's a whole different thing. So I tell you that story to explain the problem that too often the media will use quotes from non-professional, regular, everyday families and then misapply it and prevent, present a context that's not correct. That's why also it's so important that uh, that that it be wrapped within a uh, a professional uh, source as well. I totally understand, and I'm going to be incredibly honest with you and let you know, as uh, you probably know well yourself already, that to if if you decided that you were going to let me come talk to you, there is a certain element of faith and trust that you need to put in me, and I understand that completely, and I understand why. I'm very happy be a journalist and a reporter and a member of the media. There's nothing in this world that I'd rather do, sure. but I know it's not the most noble profession, and I know people have done things to really get things wrong mm -hmm. over and over and over again. No one knows that better than me, because I see and hear it all the time, and I've even been on the end of it, where mm -hmm. I've, I've been misquoted before, and I know, I mean, I know it's not a very fun thing to mm -hmm. have happen, and it's something that, you know, I've been misquoted on things that are so much less personal than things that would affect your life and your situation. Mm -hmm. And that's really the thing. Understand? And I just put it out there because I'm saying, and, and even if there's nothing that I can do to win your trust over, because in the end, even with it not being live radio and not being TV or images and all the rest of it, I could very well, I know your name now. I mean, I'm assuming that I know that your real name is Mark. Oh, well, I, I am the uh, national polygamy advocate. My name is well out there, so that's not exactly. a problem. Exactly. But you yeah. know, I mean, even if I were to, so I'm just saying, even if I were to say to you, you can use a different name, and that's totally fine with me. There is no reason that mm -hmm. you have for knowing that I wouldn't go out there and still put out your real name. I understand that completely, but I am, um, I don't do things like that, and I can't do anything more than to just ask for your trust and know that it's really my purpose more than anything else mm -hmm. than to help people understand. It's important for me. I, I mean, I know in my heart, do I actually know anybody that's in a, a polygamous uh, marriage? As far as I know, I don't. And so I don't have any kind of real understanding of what it means, how it feels, how it works, what are the benefits, and I'm curious. Mm -hmm. And I would like to be able to show people and have other people listen who are curious so that they can make real and informed 
opinions or beliefs or emotions as opposed to ones that are informed by things that aren't true or mm -hmm. real short newspaper articles that do misquote people or whatever media representation, you know, Hollywood mm -hmm. representations. Right. And this is the way that I see that I'm best able to, as a reporter, be able to do that is by spending real time with real people on their real day-to-day -day lives. Obviously, talking about the issue itself, that's incredibly important, but also spending time not talking about the issue whatsoever, just hanging out and spending time with people because I think that's how you get best get to know human beings as human beings. I know it's a huge leap of faith to ask you to do this. I know mm -hmm. it's a huge leap of faith if you were to ask families in your community to let me come in and spend time in their homes. Mm -hmm. I understand that completely. And that might be a challenge, to be honest. I wouldn't abuse that mm -hmm. trust, and mm -hmm. that I'm happy to do whatever mm -hmm. is possible within my means yeah. to put you and whomever else at ease and feel comfortable and know that, that I can be trusted. And I think there are quite a number of ways that we could, could do that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. It's good that you've got some flexibility. The, um, the issues for uh, like giving out addresses and things like that is that when the story's all done you're moving on to your next story mm -hmm. uh, but the ramifications and consequences for any of us involved uh, especially non-professional families uh, is the vulnerability for consequences that can follow um, the issue of polygamy is not just a matter of uh, legal, but also uh, civil. Mm -hmm. Meaning in uh, a lot of uh, Christian polygamy is actually a, uh, because it's a very woman-loving, truly, uh, you know, where and women have the choice whether they want to uh, pursue careers or, or stay at home with the children, but the children are being cared by somebody who loves the children. Uh, and, and it's about you know, women truly having the choice of what they want to choose to do and not have to pay for low-paid daycare, uh, low daycare workers to uh, raise their children. The vulnerability of families, because of the, the attitude that we come from a pro-loving woman, a lot of families are involved with uh, the sort of a modern-day Brady Bunch of... Abandoned single moms. Okay, so meaning a, a an abandoned single mom will enter the family of an existing family and then become this kind of family. Right. And it's actually a very good situation. It certainly uh, uh, provides opportunities for uh, a single mom, for example, who would have been a hamster in a wheel trying to just work just to pay for daycare, um, and is very productive. But because of that, they were all, that means that there's also uh, exes involved, mm -hmm. and because of the law that can present uh, the even even when it may not be enforced and an issue of consenting adult, it still presents an opportunity for uh, legal civil abuse uh, against a uh, a mother, like custody battles and other things like that, to suggest that there is a bad situation. And because of that, uh, you will find that the biggest screaming defense of polygamists in the demand for anonymity is the protection of their children. Understandable. Because of the consequences. You're done with your story and you go onward, but now, you know, uh, that is used, you know, uh, to then pursue some uh, some litigation against the family as if they're somehow being bad. It's still become and you get subpoenaed to use all that. You know, it, it's, uh, there are, there are serious uh, 
problems that uh, that are that have to be understood and addressed. I understand completely. I used to uh, volunteer at a shelter for women and children who are victims of domestic abuse, and I understand completely and have seen firsthand how severe it is when you're not completely private and confidential with that information. Now, I will say, in order to do this story, there are there's lots of wonderful things that radio can do, and there's mm-hmm. some things about it that, that unfortunately can't be done. For instance, if I were a print reporter, I very well could stay here in my office in Austin, Texas, and maybe interview a family over the phone with no idea where they were, what they looked like, and could parse out quotes and do whatever, and that would be no problem. Given the nature of radio, it's, it's not feasible to do that, at least not to do what we're doing. And I could interview someone over the phone, but as you've probably heard if you've heard radio before, it's very different sounding when someone's on the phone. And the purpose of what we're trying to do to really get to know some of these people is just something that I don't feel is is possible to do in that situation. So what I'm requesting, and I realize that it's a huge request, would be to actually travel and meet with someone face-to-face um, and, and to hopefully spend time in people's homes. I understand it without short of blindfolding me and sticking me in a car and turning <laughs> before I go in the door. It would probably be very, very hard to do that without me having some indication of where this family is. And again, I come back to say, you've got every reason in the world not to trust me. You, they understand completely what, how people such as yourself and, and people who you uh, work with have been very much burned by the media. And I apologize for that, although there's not much I could do about it. So I just, I, again, all I can say is I realize it would be taking a huge leap of faith. But if this is something that we were to do, this is kind of how we're we're hoping to, or how I'm hoping, because it is, it's just me. I would be the only person coming to visit with the tape recorder, and that would be it. Um, but it would be, that is really the way that we're hoping to do this story, because I just think, technically speaking, it would be impossible to get that kind of um, sense of knowing a person if it were just over the phone. It's just a very different kind of audio, and it's very different to, it's very impossible for me as a journalist to really feel as if I'm adequately and honestly representing someone and their family and their lifestyle without being able to be there and, and sharing it firsthand. So, you well, know, there's a difference. of the practicalities. And if, it, and if that doesn't work, I, I understand that, and, and, you know, that's unfortunate, but I just, you know, unfortunately, I think that's how it would, would have to work for the purposes of this. Well, the, the the problem is, is that there is no legal protection for a family under that from you being subpoenaed. Uh, there are, there actually are certain protections, and we can, and if you like as well, I mean, we'd be more than happy. We could certainly call upon our attorneys, American Public Media, which is the company that produces the program. We could certainly make certain that, that legal papers were drawn up to make sure that it wasn't in a situation where we would be called. I think it would be perfectly understandable by the way we would be using names under anonymity. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, but I'm, yeah. but I'm saying, but what, what is, no matter what you do legally, what there is. Uh, what is there to stop someone from subpoenaing you and your all your tapes from releasing the uh, the address and identities uh, of the individuals in your report? What if I didn't know? I mean, in order to get to someone's house, I would need to be given some indication. Of course, but that's I, what I'm saying. The reason, but I wouldn't necessarily need to know anybody's real name. I wouldn't need to know them. Right, but my point is, is for example, you know, it goes on the air. 
uh, somebody recognizes a certain voice, it becomes a, uh, a legal thing. Uh, they pursue a. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 they pursued an investigation of finding you. You're the source of it. You get subpoenaed. Your your all your tapes and everything else gets subpoenaed. You're you're required to identify uh, where, the location you went to, uh, whether it's confirm or deny. Uh, there's no real uh, Fifth Amendment clause uh, because you're not incriminating yourself, so you would have no authority to use that. So there, there's really nothing to uh, to prevent uh, the protection of families in that situation. Well, I guess, I mean, the way that I look at it is if there were a situation, let's say, if there were a potential, you know, if there were anyone who had potential concerns about child safety or an angry ex, it would probably be best not to speak with that family. But then you're not telling our story. But see, but then you're missing our story. Well, not necessarily. There's no reason why we couldn't, as part of that story, also talk about the fact that there are other families to whom this applies. My my point is this, my point is that, that... the one thing that you don't, you're not understanding is that anti-polygamists are the most mean busybodies on the planet. Uh, and the reason here's an example. Here's an example. The case of the judge that you just mentioned who got uh, forced to resign. This individual is like he has been married to his first wife since 1965. Forty years. Then he marries another one 10 years later in 75. They've been together for 30 years. Then he marries another one in 1985. That's 20 years ago. For over 20 years, he's been with all three. For 20 years. And these busybodies decided they wanted to report it. And all he's been is a little tiny traffic court judge. Little tra- oh, speeding tickets and things in a little tiny community. And because they discovered this, they disguised it, and he never had a single complaint. Nothing applied to him. Nothing. There was no reason for it whatsoever. And these little busybodies decided to create that this supposedly was so bad that they created it to the commission. The commission, all judges are supposed to obey all laws and so forth, even though this is a law not being enforced. Because, I mean, uh, unless you're going to go after everybody who's shacking up together, because apparently that's the same thing. And so. The point is that every little busybody anti-polygamist is itching to find a way to persecute polygamists. Persecute us. Absolutely. This is, this is, the homosexuals have no idea what persecution is like. Mark, I, I'm the first to admit, like I've said all along, if you decide that you don't trust me or trust enough in this, there is nothing that I can say or do to change that. It's not about trust. Not, no, no, well, no, it is. I mean, it very much is. If, you know, I wouldn't put any story to air without making sure that nothing released in the story would put anyone in any kind of harm whatsoever. Right, what I'm giving you is variables that we need to overcome. I'm not, you, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's what I'm doing. I'm laying out, oh, no, no, I'm I, laying I, out I, the path to get there. Right, exactly. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, is there, I would need to look into it. You know, mm. I mean, I think that that would be something that would come down the line if we're looking at it, you know, and mm-hmm. we would need to know. We'd, we'd have to have more specifics, I think, before we could even address that situation. I can't sit on the phone and say, no matter what, yeah. there'll be no subpoenas and everyone will be absolutely perfectly. Well, well yeah, I know you, would, you can't say that. And find out, oh, this, you know, this, this child who's got a, a homicidal, you know, father who's been out of the picture for 20 years, someone else, you know, then after the fact, there's not much that I can say. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's not much that I can do without knowing more of the situation. Right. So what I would say is if you feel as if coming out of this conversation that you have enough of an initial trust to, to work with me on this and to see if there's a possibility to make this happen. I mean, I would be very surprised and uh, in a state of shock and disbelief if you were to say to me, here's the, here's the Smith family, go talk to them tomorrow, here's their address, they live in such and such town. <laughs> not going to happen that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I know it's not going to work that way. Right. 
But if we've gone, you know, if this is step one and at the end of step one you feel comfortable enough with, with who I am and what I'm trying to do that you feel like it's a worthwhile endeavor or you want to think about it for a while and think about whether or not it's a worthwhile endeavor, mm -hmm. then it would seem to me that the next thing to do would be to, you know, have you think about it mm -hmm. for a while or get in touch with some potential families and see who might be amenable to me spending some time with them and if this is something you want to proceed with. Mm -hmm. And then if so, then begins a series of a number of conversations that right. we would need to have to make sure that they were comfortable. I mm -hmm. would want to talk to them directly so right. that they know who I am and what I'm trying to do and I can find out more about them mm -hmm. and who they are. And then there would be, you know, it would be a series of long sets and we figure out a time where I could come. I'm assuming the family isn't in Austin, Texas, so I would probably have to, you know, we make travel arrangements and figure out how I get out there and when I go out there and when it's convenient for everyone for me to come visit. Mm -hmm. And then begins a long kind of process of, of arrangement and negotiation, right. which, you know, I really hope can happen. Mm -hmm. But I understand that, you know, the ball is 100% in your court to make that decision if this was something that you wanted to, to try to work through. But know that you're absolutely right that once the story is done, my life moves on. But it doesn't. But it doesn't move on in the sense that I will always. I mean, you know, the first radio story that I did in college, I still feel responsibility for the people I interviewed and how I represent them. And I personally could never live with knowing that my that anyone's life had been adversely affected, or anyone's life had even been remotely put in danger and harm because of anything that I revealed. So. In that sense, the story is over, but it, it's not for me because I have a sense of responsibility in that, and I would be incredibly lax if I didn't. So. I, I understand. Is the story capable of being done, uh, from your perspective, that is, of meeting with a family, like uh, in a restaurant or something like that, and having you know various conversations, you know, meeting more than once and you know away from the home. Uh. It would be tricky. I mean, I, I, you know, again, it's hard to say without actually being there and meeting the family and hearing it. You know, my concern is that my hope is to show that the family is normal and just like your, you know what I mean? What I'm mm -hmm. hoping is that a mother or a father or whomever is listening to this story and hears all the ways in which that family sounds similar to theirs mm -hmm. or families that they know. And with that family not being in their the home is just the easiest place to do that. It's where people are most a family and most mm -hmm. comfortable with each other. Does that mean that it can't be done in other places? No, but we would have to work very hard with that to figure out other situations. There are certain production things that we need to think about. Not all restaurants would, are, are, would let me tape in them, and to a certain extent, I would have concerns about how much is a family really going to be able to open up to me and what they do in a restaurant where there's other people looking at the, the lady who's got the microphone? Because mm -hmm. that's what happens, you know what I mean, when you go in a public place with the microphone. Right. So that doesn't mean that there are other, you know, I don't, maybe there's a church that we can meet in or a community center or some other place where it's... Like the family goes bowling or something. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, that, that very well could be the case. But I think that we would be able, you know, a lot of the questions I'd want to ask would be very simple and straightforward. You know, what's your name? How did you meet her? Mm -hmm. What do you guys do on the weekend? Mm -hmm. You know, what very basic kind of straightforward stuff. But then there would definitely be things, I think, as you mentioned, in order to kind of have it, people understand 
what it is that you do and what it is that you're fighting for, I think it's important to hear from a wife as to why polygamy is very women-supportive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And those kinds of things, we'd need to be in an environment that they would feel truly comfortable being able to talk about those things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what a Denny's if you're able, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. it, it's hard to do that in public spaces, mm. is my concern. So with that in mind, you know, I'm happy to brainstorm. You probably do a better job of it knowing these families mm -hmm. and, and knowing what their environs are like to right. try to find a way that we could do that. Okay. I also would need uh, for you to um, formulate how you would be going about incorporating uh, the larger picture, such as interviews with me, for example, into this report as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you... Because right, all, right now all I'm hearing is the story is all about them, 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 and, and they're not going to be willing to stand alone. Oh, I completely understand that. A lot of it, again, I can't talk about what the soup's going to taste like until I can get a sense of what the ingredients are. And a lot of these things, some of it we'd be able to work with beforehand and even during while I was visiting, but a lot of it we'd really need to talk about afterwards. I mean, I'm assuming that I would come out, let's say, for a day or two and spend at least an hour or two with you in a quiet room talking. Maybe I'm spending time with your family. If that's something that your family is comfortable with. I may be spending time with this other family. And at the end of it, I would probably have hours of tape that we then distill and come up with something. But I can't tell you exactly what that's going to sound mm -hmm. like until we get a better sense of what the, you know, of I, what fu I fully respect that. What I'm saying is the difference between saying, well, we may just put a pinch of salt in here, as opposed to saying, well, this is a fully salt-based meal. Right. You know. I will, one thing that I can tell you, because it's very important for you to know, and because mm -hmm. this is also, it, just as much as it's part of my job as an ethical journalist not right. to let people know where a family lives or what a child's name is mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be, and, and I would never do that, it's also not my job to take a stand one way or another on polygamy, and I'll tell you... I'm not asking you to do that. I know that. I, I expect that. You know what I'm saying? So sure. I just wanted to be very careful that this story will not, in the end, be presented as a solely pro-polygamy piece, because mm -hmm. there's just no way that it would be ethical for me to do so. So What I meant was, for example... advocacy in it? Certainly. Well, in the sense that I want to show that before people make any sort of judgment, they need to understand things a bit better, and they need to be able to see human beings mm -hmm. for what they are, which is human beings. Right. Well, what I meant was it this. It will not probably be at all like any kind of traditional story about polygamy that mm -hmm. you've ever been interviewed for. Right. I'll, I'll put it that way. It's probably safe to say that because it's not the style of our show. Mm -hmm. Our show is very much geared towards making people think and maybe question some of the beliefs or stereotypes that they've had in their head. I understand. What I meant was this. And this, this is sort of how an example could flow uh, about what you're describing. Mm -hmm. You would ask a question uh, and uh, you know, in, in an interview with me, and I could answer saying how some families respond this way, some families do this, some do this, and, and I'm giving you how the larger movement and different families do different things, and I'm answering that question for you. Then, as a supportive process, you in your various tape recordings of the various times you've spent with a family, then use a wife in a store or whatever, confirming something like that, and then, go, and then she goes into her own individual anecdotal example of what I have just explained on a larger basis. Definitely. And I'll, I'll see you that, and I'll even raise you one, so to speak, which is that I am 
one part of the show. I'm their correspondent, and I go out and I do stories for them. For example, about gay marriage, there might be five minutes spent with an elderly lesbian couple in their home, seeing how they live, which is also added to, uh, which is or paired with an inv- uh, interview done by the host with a pro uh, gay marriage or anti-gay marriage activists, and it'll all be in the same kind of, you know, 12-minute package together. So there's also very well the opportunity, and it will just kind of depend on how it works best for everyone involved, but there is no reason why there wouldn't be a possibility of there would be, you know, you and I talk, and I go out and even do an interview with you, and then they say, you know what, we would really like the host to do, to start this whole thing off with an interview with Mark, where he explains what his organization is, what they do, how polygamy isn't just a Mormon thing. Here's all, you know, very kind of, the kind of interviews that you're probably more used to giving, mm-hmm. and then that would be followed by some time spent with the family. There's any number of ways that mm-hmm. that could work out. Right. So. Well, what I'm saying is, that's going to, I know any of our families, that's going to be something along those lines that's going to be a necessity for, oh, yeah. for accomplishing this, your goal. Meaning that they're not, no, no, none of these families want to stand alone. I think that's totally fine. I think that's absolutely and utterly. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't behoove us to do that because then it does. It you know, like you said, then it becomes the circus show. Here's yeah. here's this one family and right. the only family like this or whatever, mm-hmm. and that goes completely mm-hmm. against everything that right. we're trying to. Do. It also makes a good segue that by introducing the organization and myself and the the various answers, it provides a good segue into them, and that here's one of the families in that organization. Right, exactly, exactly. And a lot of it just depends. I mean, that's the kind of decision that I'm not allowed to make. I mean, you know, producers and editors and hosts all get involved in that. And a lot of that we would figure out as kind of things developed. And we got a better sense of who this family was and what kind of time I was spending with them, or families, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then we figure that out as we go along. But none of this would be a surprise. None of this would be coming down at the last minute. And you certainly wouldn't be turning on your radio expecting to hear one thing and hearing something totally Mm-hmm. Well, no. well, we would need to. Well, well, the thing is here, we would need to. If it is uh, going to be left it, left open ended, then we need to have the ability to withdraw. Uh, meaning that, uh, in life, just in general, if I step out of the picture for a minute, there are individuals that would uh, like to propose vaguenesses, vaguenesses for people, and say, well, you know, we're going to do this, and we're, maybe it'll happen, it won't happen ever. Let me get you to agree to do what I want you to do. And we'll, but I'll, I'll vaguely say this and vague, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Then you go through it all, the whole thing. They go ahead and do whatever they want to do. They don't do what they were hoping that they were, you were, that they were going to do. And then suddenly, well, you say, well, I did say it was vague and so forth, and I didn't really say what I was going to do, and they, they still end up going there. So my point is, in this situation, last thing we want to have is an open-ended, well, maybe we might include the organization, we might do this, we might do that, and then you get the whole story. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is, and I go back to what I was saying originally, unless you were the host of the show and the engineer and my editor and whatever, there is no way that you could have control from start to finish exactly what this is going to sound like. And I know that I'm, I'm, I'm putting that out there for the express reason that I don't want to hide anything from mm-hmm. you. There will have to be at some point a leap of faith where you say, you know what, if Alex wants to, she could take that entire interview we did. Oh, shoot, you know what, I'm about to lose power on my phone, Mark. Hold on a second, I'm going to try to plug it in. Sure. So that we can uh, keep talking. Hold I understand. One second. Sure. Mark? I'm here. Hello? Can you hear me, Mark? I can. 
You still there? I am. Okay, great. Uh, what I was going to say is that there's, you know, at a certain point you're going to just have to trust that I'm not going to do something bad because unless you were the engineer pushing the button, there was no way that you could finally ultimately have control of it every step of the way. I, I will promise to you that we are not going to suddenly take out the name of your organization or put the family out alone, but I recognize fully there's no way... You know, unless I signed a paper and then violated it and then you decided to take me to court, and even then it would have already aired. At some point, you're going to have to have a leap of trust that if I say I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. I do have to be somewhat vague. I can't tell you today that for certain what we're going to do is have a three-minute interview with you and the host and then have a four-minute piece with me and three families. It's just I haven't – there's no way to know that not having done the interview yet and not having spent some time yet and not having talked to my editors. You know, I've got a certain amount of control on this project, but there are editors who control what goes on in the show and will have to work all of this out. So all I'm saying is I can't make those sorts of, you know, again, it's making the soup without the ingredients, and I can't do that yet. But as we talk and we go along, certainly well before the piece airs, I can say to you, here's how it's going to go. Here's what you're going to hear. Mm -hmm. Here's where you come in, and here's where the family comes mm -hmm. in, and here's where the host come in, or here's where the host doesn't come in. Okay, so that, that will be declared before it is presented. Is that what you're telling me? Okay. Um, There's no way of knowing without having a bit more mm -hmm. to work with. Okay. And we get to that point, and we're very dissatisfied with what, what with that ends. Uh, then what? Uh, do we are we able to say we withdraw? Oh yes, yeah, certainly. And then and say say you you can't you can't air this report. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, mind you, I'm not trying to do that to you. Don't misunderstand right. me. No, and again, that's what I think. It's not, you know, unless we sign the contract, mm. which even then, you know what I mean? Sure. We could, we could violate that contract. Right. I'm telling you that there's no way to 100% guarantee you that we couldn't do that, mm. but I'm telling you that I won't do that. Yeah. Because it's not in my best interest. Because even though after the story airs, mm -hmm. it may not be my life, it is my life in the sense that I still need to talk to people mm -hmm. and interview people, and it, it doesn't behoove me to do that if I have violated the trust. Well, I agree with you on that. In fact, frankly, uh, we are the next coming story of the next decade, and I do, I, believe, I do believe that media, it would behoove media to uh, understand the importance of establishing a right relationship with us. Um, no, I completely... You know, I future stories. You're going to want future stories from us, and that is what I'm saying. Um, if, if I have no problem... Uh, under, I understand what you're saying about the soup, and as long as you've got it understood that, uh, since you said that you'll let us know what you know what it's going to be before you know it's going on, that uh, we have the uh, the ability to say no, we don't authorize that, we don't approve our name being used in this because of the way you're going to go about this. If we've got that withdrawal access, just as you've got the vagueness to go about it, then I think that shouldn't be a problem. And it's the same thing, you know, Marcus, as if, you know, eventually if this, let's say, this process goes down the road and you say, here's, here's where we're located, here's the day you can come out and visit us. There is nothing to say that we don't spend several hundred dollars on plane tickets and rental cars and hotels and I come out there and you decide not to do it. You could well make that choice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I could get burned in this as well. Well, and I, and I, I don't want to do that to you. That's my, that, that is my point. And I don't want you simply saying, like, somehow I've got a legal obligation now to let you air the report. Is what I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah. A lot of it's about trust. 
Yeah, I agree. So, I, mean, I agree. Most of these things are, and, and there have been plenty of cases mm-hmm. in the media where there's been this kind of trust involved, and it's been horrifically, terribly broken. Well, here's an and example. plenty of times where there's been this trust where it's worked out quite wonderfully and it's helped Americans understand themselves. Right. And that's the side of the point I'm hoping to be on. Well, we appreciate that, and we hope that uh, we'll be able to help you get there. Because it would certainly, if we can get this well presented the way we know it needs to be presented um, you know, and that you truly operate from the journalistic priority that the story the integrity of this story is more important than the pandering to the audience because that's basically the differential between various media is the priority of the audience over the story uh, and that's a problem but if you're, it's the story over the audience and you understand we know how to present our story best and it's definitely not within the Circus Act alone framework, then uh, we shouldn't have a problem. Uh, and I, I, that, that I think we can probably do something. I certainly am going to uh, uh, speak with some other families uh, due to the nature of uh, me being the, uh, you know, my face, I'm the face of uh, the political rights movement. Uh, I, keep, uh, I keep my own personal family out of the matter. Um, just as a matter of protection and safety, because you know, when you're next on the chopping block, <laughs> sure, of course. <laughs> um, I mean, my face is out there. It's not just just the the name, but um, I will speak to uh, to our families. I think we might be able to do something. I think the hurdles will be uh, the home location. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the hurdles, and I would uh, uh, encourage you to brainstorm or troubleshoot uh, alternatives to that aspect of your investigation. Sure. Um, you know, in terms of coming up with various ideas that could be done uh, away from the home. Sure. Um, certainly, anonymity is definitely a, uh, a requirement. Um, you know, in fact, recently in uh, a newspaper article, uh, you know, the, they went by uh, Papa, Mama, and Mamacita. <laughs> the names they went by. <laughs> Uh, so it's a uh, I think we might be able to do something here that'd be great what kind of timeline the sooner the better you know we really would like to get something on the air I have my my gut feeling is that with the HBO show coming on there's going to be a whole lot of stories and as much as possible we'd like to try to preempt that so that there so that we can kind of reach people with a fresh ear so to speak as opposed to oh it's another polygamy story it's going to be x y and z because we don't want it to be x y and z by any means um so yeah i mean i can make things happen pretty quickly when it needs to be so okay. what i would suggest is you know i know you'll need to mull this over and mm-hmm. talk with some of the families i'll certainly brainstorm and i don't mean to make it sound like i'm deferring on definitive answers but it'd be much easier to me once i know have a vague sense of where a family is mm-hmm. and can kind of get a sense of what they're, who they are, how many members they have, what they do on a regular basis, then I can start brainstorming. It's kind of hard for me to suggest sure. environments without knowing Well, I might be able to, uh, uh, we might be able to get somebody somewhere near the Texas area for you. That's um, great. And myself, I'm up here in, uh, Old Orchard Beach, Maine. In Maine? Maine, yes. Excellent. Okay. Great. Is, is that going to be a problem for you? Uh, no, it shouldn't be. Okay. Depending on the timeline mm-hmm. of this, if you, you know, if obviously 
if you were in the same place as a family, it would be easy, and we could kind of do everything face to face. If um, well, that wouldn't be too much of a problem if you wanted to uh, uh, address the flying issues. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. then the other option is you've got a budget to do that. Pardon? You've got a budget to do stuff like that. Yes, not okay. a crazy budget. Right, of course, of course. Exactly. No, we would probably be fine to do that. And then the other option, too, considering that you have been more of the public space and there might be less concerns about anonymity with you, oh, yeah. is that if the timeline wound up being crunched and, the, and a family or families that I was talking to was not nearby, the other possibility is to get you into a studio uh, that's in your vicinity. And you and I would still do the interview, and it might well be, again... If it were the host doing, if they decided me, and you know what, we really want the host to take the lead on this, and we'll have the host do an interview with Mark, followed by the piece done by Alex, mm-hmm. then they might have you go into, you know, then we might want to work with the possibility of you going into a studio and talking with someone there, if that's comfortable for you. Or up here, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Up here in Maine, or, or flying me down to your studio? Uh, they're in Maine, most likely. Okay. We're public radio, so our budget isn't quite as huge as NBC or something like that. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Not a problem. That's why I, I asked about the budget situation. I wanted you. I mean, I'm, I am up here in Maine. Um, yes. And I didn't no, know. Thank you for letting me know that. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, I understand that these are factors to the story. And, and, and you know, I mean, the budget is definitely a concern, but first and foremost, we want to be able to do this with, with people who feel comfortable mm-hmm. with doing this. You know what I mean? If there were a family somewhere here in Texas, that's fantastic. Right. But if they're not as comfortable with this project as a family, say, you know, in Arizona or Montana or wherever, yeah. I'd rather spend extra money and time and distance and traveling there to make sure that this is something that works best for everyone. I see. I understand. Um, well, March 12th is uh, what, less it's than two weeks away. Yes. Very soon. I know that's when the HBO is uh, scheduled to uh, to be shown, um, which means actually, and you're a weekend show. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Uh, Saturday. It's a Saturday, yeah. which then means probably you've only got not this weekend, but the following weekend you'd have to do if you want to be be ahead of the March 12th. If you want to be after, I think we could, prob- we could probably do it on the March 11th show. That wouldn't be a problem. And it's not to say, you know, Mark, if it wound up being the situation where we've got this wonderful family and they're, happy, you know, they're, they're completely on board with participating and they're just not able to do it until after the 12th, that's not the end of the world. It's not as if, oh, okay, well, HBO's on now and we lost curiosity in this issue. It's, it's a far cry from that. It's just, I think, from an editorial standpoint, the sooner that we can be before the, the deluge of stories, which are most likely going to emerge, mm-hmm. the better. But it's an important story to us, so, you know, this is where we really, you know, turn it over to you and say whatever works best. Sure. Um, then I will, uh, I will talk probably uh, families in Texas anyway, uh, or in that area. And I, I know uh, they would certainly feel much more comfortable. Uh, I mean, it, not that it's required that I would be there, but if I was there, that would make it even better. Uh, but it definitely is going to be a requirement that I'm in the story uh, yes. from anybody's standpoint. Uh, so, I mean, so certainly it would sound like there's uh, some kind of a, um, studio situation we're going to be dealing with me in that somewhere, whether it's me going there or, or you coming here, um, whatever your, your dynamics are for that. Uh, and, is, and what's the closest, I'm sorry, I missed where in Maine you are. Are you close to, is there a, a city that's close to... Portland International Jetport. Is that what you're worrying about? Portland International Jetport. Great. Like, oh, yeah, it, it's uh, 20, 25 minutes away. Great. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. Because I know we've got a station there, so that should be no problem at all. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Portland is very close. Old Orchard Beach is uh, 
like 45 minutes up the coast from New Hampshire, Massachusetts. So it's it's not very far out. It's, uh, we're not out in the sticks. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, if I have my ways about it, I'd love to get out to Maine because it's one state I've never been to and have always wanted well, to go to. That's beautiful. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what's in the budget for this, <laughs> online for this and all the rest of that. Yeah. Uh, but, Mark, I realize I've now taken up well over an hour of your time, and I don't want to keep you any longer. Okay. But I feel, you know, if you've got any questions at any time, you have my cell phone. I mm-hmm. am, when I'm not in out-of-zone areas, I'm, I'm reachable on it almost 24-7. Okay. Um, and I do check my email pretty constantly. Okay. So please don't feel, you know, any hesitation to call me up at any time if you've got any questions, big or small. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, I look forward to hearing from you, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. as soon as you can to try to take this to the, the next step, and, mm-hmm. and we'll just keep working on this and making sure, you know, at all points that you're 100% comfortable with this. And I would guarantee you right now I'm not hiding anything at this point mm-hmm. or any point down the road. I understand. I can give you uh, the telephone number here as well. Excellent. Hold yeah. on just one second because I'm now leaning over the little um, cell phone charger. Hold on just one second. Let me grab a pen. Okay, Mark. Sorry about that. Go right ahead. The number, area code 207. What's the weather like in Maine this time of year? Uh, well, actually, we had an amazingly uh, non-super cold winter. Um, <laughs> we've, had, we've not had much snow, although in the last week we've uh, we've had colder temperatures than normal. Uh, but other than that, in other words, we usually have a lot more snow than we've had, and we have yeah. usually have a lot uh, cooler temperatures. Um, this last week we've had uh, cooler temperatures. Uh, that we that we are that we're used to having in January, uh, so it's been kind of a, a weird weather-wise. Uh, but but typically we're not uh, you know the the stereotypical you know people describe Maine winters like it's you know Siberia or something. You know it, it's not that bad. <laughs> Hello. I had a college friend from I think it was Monhegan Island. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 That's a. No. He did a good job of trying to break my main stereotype. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a it's a nice place to live. I mean, the the, yeah. the geography is so different. You've got oceans, lakes, mountains, woods, forests. So many different types of geographical lands to uh, to enjoy. That it's it's amazing. Excellent. Yeah, it is. So I'm glad you get to live in such a nice place. And yeah. thank you so much again, Mark, for Super. taking the time. I really appreciate um, you taking the time to mm-hmm. talk with me and, and hear me out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I look forward to hearing from you soon. We'll be in touch soonly. Okay. Take care, Mark. Thanks. You take care. Yeah. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate. Presented polygamy to the public since 1994. National Polygamy Advocate. Dot com.